Hello, we're at Chicago TARDIS and welcome to the Big Finish podcast. Taking the limiter off. Yeah, <laughs> I might turn that down in my ears at least. Yes, hello, I'm still alive. Uh, uh, it's Nick Briggs here, and I'm joined by Jason Hay Gallery and the legendary Paul Sprague. <laughs> this taken back because I like that every time someone says my name two people cheer I can know. I get that when I'm like walking around the streets back home yeah because <laughs> no, yeah. you'd be like the Fonz then wouldn't you you walk in a room and I'll, I'll be alright with that that's fine by me <laughs> well we don't have anything to say really until you ask us some questions so that's that's what this podcast is about so what would you what would you like to ask us stick your hand up anyone's got a question hello I'm going to have the most obscure and far back, but um, I've been authorized and asked by my brother, who couldn't attend, to ask you, I'm hoping one of you is familiar with the character the meddling monk. Yes. Thank, <laughs> thank God. Uh, my well, brother... That was easier than I expected. Yeah. My brother would like to know why Big Finish has never done anything with the character of the meddling monk. <gasps> Where's he been? Where's he been? We have. Seriously? He's yes, been seriously. Yeah. Okay, you you're talking to somebody who doesn't know anything. He was in the uh, Eighth Doctor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, seriously? Yeah, with yeah. Lucy Miller. Yeah. yeah. I swear to As God. As played by? Uh, Graham Garden played. Okay, Graham Garden? Yeah. Yeah. From, right. from the goodies. Do you I'm know gonna, that? Yeah. You're going to have to give me titles because my, I know my brother... My well, I, have, I have several yeah. hundred CDs of, of audio dramas at home that I've gotten from him. So he would normally know, but apparently not. He's clearly not bought the Eighth Doctor ring. No, <laughs> this, is, this sometimes happens, you see, when we keep a secret, that the problem is it becomes a secret yeah. and people don't know. Yeah. So okay. we kept it a secret that it was the meddling monk. Yeah. And then, so subsequently, people should have caught up with the idea it was the meddling monk. Christmas but present opportunity. Yeah. Christmas yeah. present. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. All right. But for those who didn't, the Seriously. book of the book of Kells, uh, Demos, Resurrection of Mars, Lucy Miller to the Death. That was all of them, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He wins. Wow. I'll be here all day. Try the veal. Keep in mind, he's a few years behind. He has like <laughs> stacks of them. Oh, that's a massive Well, that would be why. Don't I tell mean, him. Yeah, don't yeah, tell yeah, him anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's actually illegal in some states to be behind on your big finish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, there are some states which you can play, you can spend at least 30 days in jail uh-huh. for actually being behind. Yeah, so you've got to be careful. Uh, I'll warn him. You know, it is Nebraska that he lives in. So that's so. quite dangerous. Here. So his question was, why have you never done anything with he the, the meddling monk when he's several years behind? Right. So <laughs> that could be. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Okay. What about, oh look, you, you're showing pictures of it. No, uh, let's have another question. Equally as entertaining, hopefully, yes. Equally as entertaining. I saw this wonderful poster for the Fitzcrainer Appreciation Society in the, in the uh, dealer room. I have no idea if it's real or not, but can we get more Fitzcrainer? We only had one episode with him. Is it possible to get more Fitzcrainer? Because he was fantastic. More importantly, why is that a picture of Callum Blue? <laughs> I just did the poster, I did not make 
But <laughs> I am a but as a fan of that character and as you did bring him into one C D. Yeah, but he wasn't played by Callum Blue, so that's puzzling me completely. <laughs> to be fair, we actually um you know, that was a bit of a tester. When we did the, the four episodes, and the one that was deemed to be the most successful was Mary Shelley, which is why we ended up doing uh, a three a trilogy with her. Um, but if there's support for other characters, then well, we, you know, you never we've know. got more characters than we've got release slots, basically. Yes, that's yeah. the problem, isn't it? Uh, and also, I don't know whether we'd be able to get that actor again. It was Matt, Matt D'Angelo. Matt D'Angelo, yeah. yeah. He's gone on to do something else in America, hasn't he? Has he? Yeah, you yes. see, he might be doing... It was in it, Hustle, wasn't he, for three series, but now Hustle has ended. So oh, I'm I sure he's gone to America, because I think I bumped Who's into talking? him. Who's <laughs> talking? I bumped into him in L.A., um, and he was doing something there, but like, it's something big, and I cannot remember what it is. It's a big uh, series, I can't remember. Christmas, it, that's it quite big. It was the person with yeah. the, the phone who was looking everything up. Uh, can you look up what Matt D'Angelo's doing? <laughs> I'm on the site called BigFinish.com. Thank you, Tom. Well, yeah. You must have heard the story that uh, one of the people we were thinking of casting in that role was Matt Smith. No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Really? Oh, he was on our list but to do it. But the irony was... I, I said, oh, he's too young. <laughs> To play a companion. We, you know, the number of times Matt Smith came up in our casting oh. suggestions for all sorts of parts. It would have been interesting because he would have probably have been casting for Doctor Who at that point, been auditioning for it. And, you know, it would have been interesting to hear what the agent would have said. Well, I think you know. he wouldn't have wanted to get him back to play the role the second time anyway. Well, no, no, I suppose not. I suppose not. <laughs> Bit of a David Tennant situation, yeah. yeah. Hmm, okay. Another question. Um... First of all, I want to thank you for bringing Tom Baker back in the fold from oh, Doctor Who. Yeah. That was a, I was listening to your Dirty Who Was interview where you were talking about how you wanted to get Tom Baker and you kept at it and at it and you finally did it. Uh, next item on my wish list would be, be any chance that he and Lala Wood would ever work together on audio. Well, you may be aware that they were married once and that, the, know that, but... and that the marriage ended. Yeah. So... Uh, after a very short time <laughs> so I think there may be there, I, I foresee difficulties in fulfilling your wish well we can do them separately you know. yeah but I mean the very fact that I know what you mean you know that, that sort of highlights the difficulties by saying we can record you separately you know what I mean <laughs> Yeah, I, do, I don't know. I, do, I honestly haven't spoken to either of them about it. It is interesting that Lala Ward, when we first worked with her, what did she say? She said, well, she brought it up. Yeah. She said she'd work with Tom. Oh, really? But, um, she, she actually like, said, when, when am I doing one of these Tom, with Tom? Tom? Because she's always been intrigued by Tom. Even still? And I'm, and I'm not, uh, that's probably where I'm going to stop that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't she used to say he was her favorite monster in Doctor Who? <laughs> 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 Read that somewhere. Hello. Hello. Don't worry, we can we can start now. He's here. Uh, <laughs> so, mm, you never. Who knows? I mean, we. You know, you never know. We didn't think at one point that Tom would ever come yeah. back. Yeah. You know, you never know what the future holds. You know, um, Janet Fielding said she'd never do it. Yes. That's and look true. how many she's done since. So you know. Yeah. People change their minds. There's we're a lot of, to, we're humans. There's a lot of Tom coming up, though, you know, next mm. year's yeah. Tom with, with Mary Tam, and yes. then the, the year after, it's uh, Tom and Lou again, and, and we're just working on a, another series, which would be Tom and Lou and, and K-9, John Neeson. So there's all that to get through first. I, I shall be considerably older by then myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yes? Um, 
Big Finish is coming up on 15 years soon, right? Is that okay? Um, no close for that. <laughs> Um, I'm wondering um, if there's anything that you think that the audience you've kind of trained us to be accepting of or that you can get away with now that you wouldn't have been able to in the first years of, of the company. <coughs> mm. That's a very, very good question. I haven't got a very good answer for it. I can't think of Pretend mm. I wrote that into Vortex. <laughs> <laughs> and well, Paul, Paul Spragg insisted I answer it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I think um, people are more accepting of new companions created for the Big Finish range than they were because it's more commonplace that we've done it. But when we first did it with Evelyn and then with Charlie, there was a little bit of a backlash, I do remember, from people who were like, oh, no. You only use TV companions. They're not real unless you do them there. But I think there is an acceptance now that um, because there's so many different forms of Doctor Who that um, if a good companion comes along, like Lucy Miller, like, um, like Charlie was, you know, like Evelyn was, um, you know, you, you, I think the audience is far more accepting now of new companions. And when we bring out a new companion, like, for example, what you, you guys did with the... Um, with uh, Sylvester in the last uh, trilogy and um, bringing Sally and I'm sorry I've forgotten the other name Cassandra thank you Um, you know that was a a different TARDIS dynamic and something completely different to what we've done before and I think that was you know embraced and as I said back in 99 there was a little bit of a negative reaction which we tend to forget now um, (laughs) because you know they've been so successful as characters that you tend to forget that people go, oh no, you shouldn't have a, you shouldn't create your own companion. No, no, no. So there we go. So that's probably an example. I can't think of another one. Can does anything strike you? You know that made you ask the question. Maybe not. Not in particular. I, I was thinking of it a bit in terms of the um, uh, the box sets that that have been coming out more lately. I think that it's a bit easier for folks to trust y'all with a big chunk of money all at once. Cause Got you. Yes. <coughs> Stargate series two. <laughs> uh, Stargate series two, Paul. Series, do you mean series three parts yeah, two? Sorry, series yes. Or as I like to my wife's Paul. Christmas present. It's it's so oh, nearly good luck with that. <laughs> it's, it's it's very very nearly done. As, as we, done. So nearly ready that you can taste it. Yeah. Well, pretty much. Yeah. Um, How many years have we been working on that now? Oh God knows. Is it a year and a half? It's nearly two years, isn't it? Yeah, probably. It's February two years ago. Uh, year and a half ago, February, that we recorded Claudia Black. Yeah, must so. be by now, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Sorry. Just trying to work out who to point the microphone at. <laughs> so the thing is, what, there what? must be a more interesting answer to that question, but I can't think what you, it is. You had said in, in your description of Creatures of Beauty that you had done a different style of writing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. That was a while ago. But you had written that you had got away with different kinds of endings than you would have done earlier in the series. Oh, that's true. That's a very good point. Creatures of Beauty, which all is is all in the wrong order. I wrote it that way because we were used to the idea of a Doctor Who story, a linear Doctor Who story. And, of course, the joke is that, you know, it starred Peter Davison. And, there's, and I, at that point, being an angry, not young man, still quite old then, uh, the, the, 
I thought, what's the point of saying, oh, is the Doctor going to be killed at the end of this episode when we know full well he's not because we know Colin Baker came along later, you know. So I started the story with the Doctor and Nyssa saying, wow, thank goodness that's all over and we survived and let's get back in the TARDIS. So, so the first thing I say in the story is they lived, you know, big surprise. But, you know, I, so, I, yeah. so I suppose that's something that we couldn't have done on our first release, that's for sure. I thought of something else, too. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there um, some concern about having a different actor do one of the doctors that's no longer with us? So, for example, Fraser Hines doing Pat Troughton or Will Russell doing William Hartnell. Do you think that you would have gotten away with that earlier in the history of your business as opposed to now? Well, of course, the uh, Companion Chronicles, the conceit of that is, is the companion telling the story. So we're not, we're, sort of, we're not actually saying that is the second Doctor or the first Doctor. It's them reporting the speech. But I, don't, I think you're right. I think people have come to accept it, and that's something that wouldn't have been easily... You know, that's not something you start with, is it? You know, we're starting doing yeah. some Doctor Who audios, and here is Fraser Hines playing Patrick Chan. Yes. You know. I suppose yeah. there's a trust dynamic as well, isn't there, that yeah. we've, we've been around long enough that the, the, the BBC is an audio goer more inclined to go, well, you know, we trust you, it's a good idea, you know, they approve the scripts, and they, they approve and the, the ideas. trust us as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, talking about companions as well, the fact that David introduced an entirely new companion into the William Hartnell era through Oliver Harper when, when he did that set and, and that went down so well and that whole storyline that Oliver had I think that that proves how well it can work but I mean other differences I suppose to now is uh, that delightful word compliance that we <laughs> that never would have been dealt with at the start yes and the BBC true. have got a lot more restrictions now than they had I mean not for us necessarily any more than anyone else but just the way they make things and you know even their TV shows go through so many different Restrictions as to what they are allowed to do, what they're allowed to say, this, that, and the other. There's so many different hoops to jump through. I think these days. But we're we're pretty good in self-editing. I don't think we've yeah. ever had the BBC tell us you can't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, at the approval stage with regard to Doctor Who-related things, we've sometimes been told don't do that now because we're doing something a bit similar. Like with the Master, we were told not to use the Master for quite some time. Um, but we haven't had any compliance issues about violence or anything because no. we've been, uh, David and I are particularly hypersensitive about it. Mm. And as you probably know, we, I asked for the word Lord to be edited because there was a bit in that where he was going around just shooting people and the, the sound effect was a was a the kind of gun you could go and buy in a shop here. Uh, and, and you heard the shell cases hitting the ground and people were just being shot and killed. And I said, this is just horrible. This is like a high school massacre or something. And it only needs that to be in the news at the same time that this is released. And we're in trouble because the newspapers might pick up on it. And so we just changed it to a ray gun that went, and suddenly it wasn't disturbing at all. <laughs> I cut down on someone, uh, a friend of mine, Andrew Dickens, had really enjoyed his death quite too much. He was sort of choking and... Yeah, and we cut that as well, you know. So he just went, and he died. That's fine. <laughs> I did actually get a note from uh, MGM about uh, the, I swear it is coming out, Stargate Series 3 Part 2, <laughs> where, where one character in the script has a really, really horrible death. And we were told at the script stage by MGM, can you sort of pull this back a bit? Because this is really nasty. So that, there, is, there is a death in there that is 
more, more suggested rather than the agonizing, uh, drawn-out version it was originally. So look out for that. See if you can, see if you can work out which one it was. <laughs> I mean, we do have, um, we have changed Big Finish. And uh, a good example of that is when the new series came back and the tone and style and the speed at which stories are told increased. <laughs> uh, our reaction to that was to create, you know, the Paul McGann stories, the series, in a... It was more like the television series than the Lucy series. Miller ones. Yeah, yeah. 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 So there's, um, there's an element of us being proactive as well. Well, also, we're influenced, as we were originally influenced by Doctor Who yeah. when we started, we're influenced by the way it is on television now. Totally. You know. We have another question. Yes, I'm coming over. Well, I've got two things. Um, one is praise and one is a complaint. So dealer's oh, okay. choice as to where, which way I head first and whether you want well, to... Just get the praise out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the praise, the Sherlock Holmes line. Um, Oh, you sure you want to praise that? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I want to praise two things about it. Uh, first of all, I'm in the Holmes fandom. I mean, I'm a member of the sciences, of a science society, et cetera, et cetera. And I wanted to say that you are, this is something I'll be getting into in the Sherlock Holmes panel later, but you are the only ones who are now doing original Sherlock Holmes audio. And you are the only ones who have ever done full cast, full text, ever. It's always been one voice reading or an adaptation. And so, yay, do more. You're the only ones out there. We want it. There is a market. So that's... that's At the, least of one. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, a market of one. Well, I have been, I have been um, advertising you to, to you. Uh, you. Tin Box and Red Circle and, and the others. So I am trying to help get the word out. Certainly the... the Older Holmesians are more likely to buy a CD than they are to to download the digital Watson and Holmes comic or or even download stuff for their iPod. So is, CDs they understand. CDs are good. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You're and, and now the complaints. And now the complaints. Tin hats on. <laughs> well, I've I've been trying to figure out a way of phrasing this, and I can't without spoilers. Okay. <laughs> In two story arcs that you have given the Eighth Doctor yes. in the alternate universe and then in the Lucy sets, 100% of his original companions have sticky, terrible ends sooner or later. So I'm in the dealer's room looking at dark eyes. Gentlemen, sell me on this when I'm looking <laughs> at that going, I'm going to invest time and money and emotion in someone who's going to croak. <laughs> well, we all invest time and, and money and emotion in people who croak. <laughs> because, That's not we, 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 but we all because we all die. Um, no, however, I see the point you're yeah. making. Uh, you want to know whether Molly O'Sullivan dies at the I'm end of not, Dark Eyes? I think you are asking for some yeah, yeah. yeah, you are. To some, to some degree, but. I wanted to get across that, gentlemen, your script choices have turned off one of your, at least one of your uh, buyers. Yeah. That, that I am seriously rethinking this when I do have subscriptions to the entire Holmes range, the, the monthlies, and, mm. and I've been picking up the Companion Chronicles. But this is one thing that I'm looking at going, I need extra convincing. Right. It's really, really good. <laughs> okay, well. Um, let, me, let me answer your uh, point in this way. Okay. No. No. Uh, <laughs> with a, a meaningless song. Uh, no. 
we thought that it was important for Lucy Miller to, mm -hmm. you, you've heard those ones. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and absolutely everyone else you'd introduced in that series. Yeah, we thought it was important because sometimes the threat of your evil mm. creatures rings hollow. The Daleks are always saying exterminate, exterminate, exterminate. And they do kill lots of people, but people we don't know. And Alan Barnes, the script editor, said to me, let's make it that we find out that the Daleks come back, which is going to be a massive blow to Susan because it's like history repeating itself for her, which is appalling, you know. Mm. Just imagine people just having got over World War II and then suddenly Nazis come marching back in. By the way, I saw a trailer to some terrible film about Nazis from the moon coming to invade us in 2018. It's on, on the hotel. Have a look. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's done in very bad taste. It looks like a sort of jokey movie. And they're all going, yes, we are back. You know? <laughs> They've been hiding on the moon in a swastika-shaped uh, moon station. But anyway, that's by the way. Um, Is it called Nazis on the Moon? Uh, it's Iron, it's Iron Sky, it's yeah, called. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You have a look at it. It's, it's it, a musical. It's fantastic. <laughs> Springtime for Hitler, yeah. I mean. Anyway, <laughs> folks, sorry. I am taking your point seriously. That makes it sound like I'm not now. Um, but the point you're making is... The point is we wanted yeah. them... Alan Barnes said to me, so the Daleks come back, which is horrible, and he said, let's have them kill people we love this time. Just, you know, it's not. So the answer to your question is we're not going to do that every time because that is okay. that's so tiresome just to repeat the same trick. And, and we wanted and we wanted it to stand out as an example of something in the big Finnish canon, as it were. So it's not like from now on we kill everyone. <laughs> I just, you know. But that's yeah. coming on the heels of what eventually happened to Charlie and what happened to Cariz. So you had established a pattern. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, d I didn't really, you know. Well, plus, I suppose, I suppose there's a certain element of the fact that after the events of To the Death, you know, if, if you've got a doctor in that kind of situation where he's feeling like he does after To the Death, what kind of story would, would you expect to hear to follow that? Would you expect it to just get more and more depressing and go further and further downhill? Or would you expect us to sort of pick him up a bit and perk him up? The, the, the whole thing about Dark Eyes is well, it's He's giving you a heavy hint there. <laughs> he's giving you a heavy hint. The story, as you may have read, I've said many times, is about hope. So it's a very positive story. There are lots of dark things in it, but it, it is a, it's a very positive story. I think it's also important. I mean, I think you hit upon it when you were discussing the Daleks there. We've, we've had 50 years of Doctor Who where the Daleks have basically killed very few people that we care about. And... Um, you know, it is important now and again to actually say how fundamentally evil these characters are and how, how dangerous they are. They and how much of that. The 10th Doctor, even if he cheated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a fair crack at him, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, no, I do take your point. Um, Charlie's not killed. No, you know. Otherwise, your spin-off series is going to be a bit smooth. <laughs> there is going to be a spin-off series. But, but by the way, I, I, ha I am discussing that with a couple of writers at the moment, and we're, we're oh, getting it good. going. Yeah. I, fi I finally admitted that I'm not going to have time to write it all myself. And so, uh, yeah, I've, I've set a, a couple of very talented chaps thinking about it. That so th that's going to happen. I would hope next year at some point. We'll certainly record it next There's year. a line about women in refrigerators. Look it up sometime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know about that. I remember reading the comics that set that off. <laughs> What's that? Green Lantern comics. There was the, uh, the girlfriend of one of the Green Lanterns got put into a fridge after being murdered. 
Right. So, uh, so people are referred to as being fridged if they're sort of introduced to be killed fairly speedily. Oh, I see. But, uh, yeah. See? My comics knowledge finally agrees. <laughs> Frankly, all of Paul Sprague's knowledge is finally. <laughs> well, I was going to say on, on the subject of, of, sort of companion deaths, what I find really weird now is that every time, every time a companion leaves the TV series, it seems to always be, are they going to die? Every single time, as if that's sort of the way that people have to be written out of a show now. Mm. And the fact that they they don't tend to be written out like that just seems weird. It seems to be odd that there's that that distinction now that everyone sort of assumes that that's how everyone has to leave a series now rather than just being politely written out. I don't know if this is some kind of change in the way things are written these days or not. I so suppose it's a way of bringing something to a close, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's a little know. bit of a... I mean, you know, if fans of Grey's Anatomy will, will, uh, <laughs> will, will appreciate how pretty much everyone seems to leave that series in a body bag, but yeah. I'm not entirely sure that's necessarily the way to go with every single character. No, I certainly would Well, do you think there's uh, any, you know mileage in Grey's Anatomy, the audio series. <laughs> There's a couple of questions yeah, here. Uh, let's not, yeah, you, you've been hanging on for a while. I've always loved the pure historical stories. Some of them are my favourite productions. Are there any pure historicals in the near future or far future you guys are looking at? You heard of Ro- you heard Wrath of the IC9, did you? So that's that's a pure historical one. I don't know whether there's anything else in the pipeline, is there? Maybe in the Companion Chronicles? The Companion Chronicles the are the flames. best there. Flames of so Cadiz, Cadiz, yeah, pure, pure historical. Yes, because I've I've just been reading Mark Platt's notes for that for the cover, and he said it's the it's the first time he's ever written a pure historical story. So yeah, Flame Flames of Cadiz, which is coming out January, that's definitely one. I'm just trying to think what else. As I said in that out. earlier panel, you know, the past is like an alien planet, isn't it? As threatening as. And that's something we were keen to get into the Angel of Scutari. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that became a sort of timey wimey a bit story, didn't it? Actual Count Dracula. Oh yes, I can't remember what the title was right offhand. Oh, but that son of the dragon. Son, yeah. son of the dragon. Yeah, more of those. That was fantastic. It was, wasn't it? Was it was beautifully very, done. Yeah, yeah. That, was. that was a script that was nearly killed, and I, I read it and I just said, no, actually, I, I really like this. I love the pace of it. I said it reminds me of a William Hartnell story. Actually, mm-hmm. that, that feeling. We had two fantastic actors yes. playing Dracula and his his brother. Yeah, Douglas Hodge, and um, who's the one who was in Rome. James Purefoy, yes. yeah, they were amazing, yeah, really good. Uh, Douglas Hodge, who's now having a re- real resurgence mm. on British television, actually. And Broadway, and massive on Broadway. Siamma so <laughs> at the moment. Oh, he? he is just the most incredible actor, and he was so game for a laugh. I remember yeah. he just um, he wanted to play all there were there were various guards and things, and, and Barnaby Edwards, who was directing it, were getting other members of the cast. And Dougie Hodge was going, I oh, can't, can't I play the guard as well? He said, I want to be a really snidey guard. He goes, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, and, he, and so we let him do it, and he was having the time of his life. He was so lovely. He's one of those, he is one of the best actors. That is one of those rare instances where I heard you go properly lovely, though. Dougie Hodge. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what people call him. Paulie. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, yes. I was told we'd be asked really personal questions. Where are all these personal questions? Yeah, what... Is it about you that everyone hates? Are you hiring your son, Nick? Am I what? Your son. He's one of the voice credits in Emerald Tiger. He is, yeah. yeah don't tell him he didn't. It's incredible. The, uh, the, oh, if I had my computer here, I could play you the actual recording of getting him to do all those lines. Oh, <laughs> and when I say, okay, now say it louder, and he goes, louder. Oh. <laughs> 
that's not quite what I meant, Ben, you know. And, uh, I have been training him secretly. <laughs> <laughs> and then and when I'm just getting him to get he goes, that's enough. <laughs> I got him to say hello Barnaby as well, just to make Barney Edwards, the other Barnaby Edwards. That, yeah. <laughs> hello Barnaby. It was, yeah. I've got another role for him in, in our anniversary story, actually. Yeah. Uh, Big Finish has worked with a lot of media properties. I'm sorry if this has uh, been answered elsewhere. Have you ever considered doing any kind of crossover between them, or is that just too logistically impossible? Yes, okay. it is. <laughs> I've got a map. Like, you mean like they've done Star Trek and Doctor yeah, Who and IDW, exactly. yeah. right. mm-hmm. which everyone's hated, apparently. Is that that's right? Great. Oh, oh you like it. it. I love it. I thought I liked it. Tony Lee hates it. He thinks it's awful. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Is that... You know, you that out, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that game, the sack. <laughs> anyway, uh, maybe I will edit that. Who knows? Um, yeah. This is a logistical issue. I mean, yeah. it's it's one thing getting the rights or something, and then saying, "Can we combine it with this?" They might people think. Oh. I suspect that, for example, um, if we have to pay a certain percentage to MGM for Stargate and a certain percentage to the BBC for Doctor Who they would anticipate us paying still the I'm same percentages. Dallas into the mix. It's, well, quite. It's going to go sky. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It just, it probably costs us a fortune. Yeah. So. Sorry. Interesting, though. No, it's a good idea. Fatina. So I really enjoyed Love and War. For those of us who missed out on a lot of the Virgin books, any thoughts to adapting more of them, the Virgin books? I get about three of those messages to inquiries every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's well, let's, let's, let's think about that. Okay. I don't know what... It has been selling rather well, I've got to say, and critical yeah. response has been very good, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, wow, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if there would be an issue with rights or anything because you're looking at it from a, coming from an adaptation of a book format? Well, most of the rights are now back with the original authors because uh, most of them, uh, they had a period of time in which when it wasn't published... And Virgin obviously lost the rights to publish, so they couldn't do them anymore. Uh, the rights reverted back to the authors. So in the case of uh, Love and War, we just had to go to Paul Cannell to say, can we do this? And he went, I'd love it. Um, so that would probably be the same with a lot of the other writers. However, I think um, Love and War is such a seminal book. It's such an important book within the range that actually everyone was so delighted to have that. I'm not sure there's a number of other books that would actually have the same sort of sen- uh, sentiment, you know, or, or kudos that that one did. I know that David Richardson is very, was very keen to do that at one point, yeah. and maybe that's something it's we can revisit. It's my favourite book, actually, from the, from the, uh, the New Adventures. So I'm sure that's the case of many people. So. Just thought, actually, you know, speaking of crossovers earlier, Dorian Gray at Christmas. Oh, yes, that's we, the kind of instance where it does work. Yes, we've got a Sherlock Holmes and Dorian Gray yeah, crossover. In both cases, we own the rights to both, so therefore yeah. it's not cost yeah, yeah. us anything. We don't, yeah. There's no rights to be owned there. Hmm. Maybe Dorian Gray and Doctor Who? Yeah. This your Nat just coming in there. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Hello, Nat. See the, feel the support of my girlfriend turning up half an hour into this session. <laughs> what time do you call this? You've been shopping. Hold on. Yeah, I've okay. been shopping. You've been to Target. Um, yes. Yes. I have a couple of quick questions. One is I wanted to compliment you on the new website. I think it's terrific. Um, I do wonder if the, um, like in the credits and so forth of different actors, if they could be hot links 
instead of you having to do a search for an actor, you could say, okay, Colin Baker, and then get a list of Colin Baker's appearances, or even then, actually, you know, smaller actors are, you know, in larger, you know, it'd be more interesting, like, you know, like David Tennant, for example. Well, you know, smaller roles, you know, has he done another big finish that, that defines him? So that, that, was, that was one question. Okay, I'll just rest my arm. Oh, that's better, okay. And I'm wondering if uh, there's a chance that uh, Tom Baker's doctor will meet the Ice Warriors at any chance. Ooh. Ooh. Well, it ought to happen, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I don't think it's due to happen at any time we're planning at the moment, but it, it should do, shouldn't it? Uh, back to the, the website thing, That's uh, we'll make a note of that. That's an interesting... So what you're saying is if you... How, if, how many hours of support work have we currently got for them to work? That's, 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 that's about 503, isn't it? I know, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the end of the year or the year after. Yeah, I mean, that's a nice idea. But what you're saying is you, you'd click on it, and then what would you go to? Just a well, list of all the... For uh, Love and More, for example, and you go and you click Sophie Aldred, you get everything that she was in. It'd be basically activate a search instead of having to type her mm -hmm. name in there. Yeah, that, yeah. I, that's really good. Um, we got to talk to our technical people about that. Yeah. yeah, they'll say that that's going to take that's going to cost you five hundred pounds. I've got, if it's okay, to add on to the website. So I absolutely adore it. Love the search feature. The one bit of feedback for those of us that have tablets or smartphones. Oh, we're, yeah, yeah. We're aware of that. You, you know what I'm about to say. I yeah, can't right. stream anything audio at all. I know why it's the whole flash player thing, isn't it? Is it is yeah. Adobe and Apple. I know. At yeah, we're we're taking steps. We're having a meeting next Thursday yeah. where that's on the agenda. It's, it's been on the agenda because from... at least three of the people at that meeting will be half asleep. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. No, uh, I'll have been home a couple of days, Mister Stopover. <laughs> Kiana. Um, is there anything you're hoping to do or would like to do with Big Finish to push the envelope? What was the question? Is there anything we're hoping to do or would like to do with Big Finish to push the envelope? Envelope? Yeah. Uh, Is that the envelope with my resignation in here? <laughs> <laughs> um, pushing the envelope was one of the phrases that I banned from Cult Times when I was editing it. it. It turned up in almost every single interview we really with any creative envelope, yeah, yeah. on any series. That and a mini-movie every week. Oh, I had to ban oh. both of those because it was driving me nuts. <laughs> I had to ban them because yeah, I was personally irritated. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I had a list of about ten things that I, I deliberately removed from every interview if they came round after. Do you see how power would go to his head? Uh, <laughs> ooh. I suppose we could do um, something very different but reflecting the world in terms of things like our first gay companion. Oh, well, no, we've had a gay companion for, for William Hartnell, yeah. uh, well, ir ironically, yeah, whereas Jackson. William Hartnell was, was uh, known for being tolerant of uh, <laughs> differences. Um, <clears throat> Can I take that one back? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my personal ambitions for Big Finish mm. is to do, uh, like Dorian Gray, just do new stuff for download only, which has low production costs, and we can just get great writers who we who love and trust to do their series whether whether it's uh, I might have said this to you before whether it's a crime drama or a fantasy thing or whatever I'd love to do a really hard hitting crime drama mm -hmm. or a political thriller or something um, and, and just you know and not rely on it being to do with another franchise that's the sort of thing I'd like to do any thoughts Jason? that's very good <laughs> no I mean have you got any push well, envelope pushing yeah, thoughts apart from 
I, I, Firing wish, me. I wish we could do more comedy, to be honest oh, with you. Oh, yes. yes. And, but the problem is it'd be lovely to do our own comedy series because we know so many good writers who could do that. But, w- but the concern has always been, would it sell? Because very early on, we did um, Fly Me to the Moon, which was done in a very traditional way in a, in a, a theatre down in Brighton. And we got a, a studio audience involved and so forth, and we recorded the whole thing and um, just didn't sell, even though we had Sylvester in the About lead. 12. Well, yeah, we sold some. <laughs> I can tell you we still got, you know, that was released in, um, in I think, 2000 and, or 2001, and we still have copies from the original print run left in the store. Um, and it's presently retailing in... in uh, we, we put it into sales... At, basically three quid so with another title so it's just not it's something we'd love to do more of well i mean i have got had the toby haydoke podcast but he only (laughs) did two he said he was going to do one a month and he only did two (laughs) well he did get ill so fair enough but he just said to me the other day i'm going to do some more i said well well whenever you're ready just send them across because i do think i want to create more comedy Mm. on big finish even if it's free stuff is get people to come to the site. That's one of our things. We want people to come to feel that they will get free stuff when they come to the site, and hopefully it will convince them to buy things as well when they're there. And I have approached a, a couple of comedy performers just recently who were yes. friends of mine and said, you know, if, you've, if you have a burning desire to do a podcast, we can't pay you anything, but if you want to do something where you just, I don't know, to have a, a good comedy idea and you want to explore it and you can do it, then we will put it on our site and we will plug it. So want to do some more of that I think and then we might get to a point where it's so popular that maybe we can do productions that you know people will be prepared to pay for we've had a few people in who are comedy performers haven't we so we've I mean we've had Miles Jupp who is fantastic and has his own panel show on Radio 4 back in the UK Um, we've had um, Gus Brown who's had a couple of series as well on radio There's, there's various different people we've had in who are good comedy performers and of course, you know, I mean, Nev Fountain, we've, we had in doing writing for us before now, of course, wrote for Dead Ringers, which was an enormously popular impressions comedy show. So, I mean, we've got, we've certainly got the talent there. That's true. And we are going to do a Mervyn Stone audio thing. Yes, You've got right. to read the script. I have to read the script. To yeah. check to see if any of it's libelous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was um, the Mervyn Stone books. If you haven't tried them yet, go and try them. They're doing um, a special deal in the in the um, dealer's room at the moment. but It's, it's about, uh, uh, did you know what it's about? It's about the script editor of an old science fiction show mm. who solves crimes. Yes. <laughs> it's basically Terence Dix as a detective. No, I didn't say that. He's <laughs> <laughs> very, very funny, though. Yeah. Okay, well, should we just have one last question for this podcast and then we'll carry on talking to you anyway for the last five seconds. Is it going to be one of those personal ones? Yeah, let's okay. have a personal question. <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, hello. Here we go. This isn't, could you, could you give me a job, is it? <laughs> no, it's not that at all. Okay. Um, I was going to ask if you have any way to bring back hacks after Gods and Monsters. Because wow. Well, well, pardon? Because now he's a god. He's almost... Or is he a monster? Or he could be, well, he could be another Fenric, so... There are things happening there. I can't give you a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, you know... Something's in progress. Thank you. That wasn't a very good 
answer, was it? Sorry. <laughs> Anyone want to ask anything else personal? I've got one last one. Okay, hit Paul us. Sprague, how do you put up with Nick Briggs and David <laughs> Richardson during the podcast? Because they do tease you, like, really bad. Yeah, David hits him with a ruler. That, we're not joking, he really does hit him. But it is actually racism, <laughs> isn't it? Because yeah. we're, we're picking on him for where he lives, he comes from. Yeah. Where do you come from? Well, thanks very much. <laughs> I come from a little village called Backwell that's very near to Bristol in the west of England. So you're a Bristol boy? Yeah, which means I can do the accent at will, should I so need to. Well, we're all looking forward to hearing more about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest part of it, to actually give you a serious answer, unusually for me, is that when I, I take very much after my mother. My mother was the one who got me into all the sci-fi stuff, got me watching Star Trek, got me watching Doctor Who. Uh, she reads comics, I read comics, all of this stuff. All, almost about 90% of my personality comes from my mum. And my mum and her side of the family don't ever take each other or anyone else seriously. And so I've just inherited that. So I, I, I'm quite thick-skinned. I don't care that people are just having a go. I honestly don't mind. So it's, it never really troubles me. I don't feel enormously offended. And David and I aren't like that. And we cut out all the bits when he insults us because we just cry. <laughs> <laughs> And, and fr frankly, it's frankly it's funnier if I just sit and take it. It's, it's, yeah. it's not as much fun if I go, yes, but you're fat and ugly. That, that just wouldn't work, would it? And also, isn't true. Well, oh, thanks, you see. He's a very loving man. We're a very, very happy team, you know, mainly because we don't see each other very often. Yeah. It's like a perfect marriage. Hardly, hardly ever see each other. I am, we keep I, in touch all the time. I get plaintive emails from them. Please come and see us. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we fix up a meeting. But uh, oh we, yeah, we're going to have we're going to do some Christmas podcasts this year, yeah. like we did in 2010. And Is Jason's coming. Yeah. Jeez. And Jason's coming. <laughs> Jason's coming over mm. for one of the days, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. I think that's the first time I've been in the office for how long? Probably a year and a half. When did you move in to the new office? <laughs> the new old office. The new office. Yeah, it's probably been about a year and a half, I would think, hasn't it? Well, you you wouldn't know. No, no one's ever in it except me. You've basically, basically, Jason has hired a place to store our rubbish and put me in. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the definition of storing our rubbish, isn't it? Hey, Thank you! Yeah. I'm glad that you picked up on that after I set it up so Absolutely. neatly for you. But, I mean, that's, I did actually think that the other day, because you were talking about the fact that Paul's there on his own all the time. Mm. We, you know, the, the arguments I had with Gary Russell about that, uh, that venue, yeah. um, because it is quite big, and we can fit loads of desks in and actually technically you can have six people working in there quite easily yeah. and it's Paul on his own now so <laughs> it's I do mice, though, I there? there's room for loads of mice yeah we did have some mice yeah oh dear they've that's that's not our fault okay. <laughs> they've they put <clears throat> stuff to kill them down now flamethrowers machine gun nests <laughs> Piano wire. It was enormously entertaining when the mice were in because I was just letting, if they just passed around, they, you can't catch them anyway, so I was just sort of watching them scurrying about. Nick was panicking, it was brilliant. I, I don't like mice. Oh my mice. god, not my cables, not my cables! It was yeah. great. I thought they might gnaw through something and set the place alight. You've been watching too much Jerry Anderson. Yeah, oh yeah. I have. Um, well, that's it, thank you. I'm yeah. fed up now. <laughs> thank you all for being brilliant. Goodbye. Yeah.